0: If you have your Bible, we'll go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll, we'll look at our FIDO verse, and then, uh, but just before that, I wanted to read, going back to Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14, Paul's Prayer, and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, just because it's the Father, verse um, translation that we're using. So, <coughs> Ephesians three, starting in verse fourteen. Let me pray for it again. Father, we come to your word, and we ask that you help us to behold Christ, help us to see more of Him, and that you would Lord be glorified, and you would teach us, teach me, help us to. Come to your word, uh, expect to uh, see uh, more of uh, more of Christ and uh, in his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, Paul writes, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, according to the power at work within us. To Him be glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In the Lord's providence, it's it's just so fitting that we come to this particular section in Ephesians, these, this spider verse, because we've been hearing Sunday by, Sunday by Sunday the teaching of our Lord Jesus on prayer from chapter 11 of Luke, and so, uh, thinking about the Apostle Paul and his prayer here, so he was a he was um, he was he he prayed a faith-filled prayer. But not only did he pray for these believers in in Ephesus, but I think it's encouraging that he told them the content of his prayers. And so we have this wonderful prayer written uh, in written form in verses three through nineteen that ends with the memory verse uh, verses for this week which are now to him who is able to be far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power of work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so like Jesus, Paul is teaching us about prayer. He's encouraging us to pray here. Uh, isn't he safe? If you look at um, verse 20, there's even an exhortation in there, by way of reminder. He's reminding us of who He is praying to, and who we pray to. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that work within us. And this is why we pray, isn't it? And yet, often we don't pray. We don't pray. And so, my question is, why don't we pray? Um, And someone in our grace group, just within the last week, was honest enough to just share that she felt that you know, while God may answer some people's prayers, He isn't answering her prayers, so what's the use in praying? Um, You know, she's prayed for non-believing loved ones for years, over and over, and you know, this isn't a selfish prayer and it's within the will of God, pray for all the lost ones and our, our families to, uh, to, to the God we grant them repentance and faith. And yet, we see some whom we pray for, year after year, pass on into eternity with no sign of a changed heart. And so, is this prayer in Ephesians for ordinary Christians? Or is this just for something like super-spiritual Christians? Are we discouraged uh, to, to, because we keep praying and we don't see answers? Has this led us to stagger or stumble in unbelief? I think we can be encouraged by the fact that the great Apostle Paul <coughs> recognized this tendency in us. You see, we have a tendency to quit praying uh, because we do forget who God is. We need the reminder here about who God is that we pray to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. And just listen, I mean, who would have thought that Saul of Tarsus would become a Christian? Uh, You know, think of when Stephen was being stoned to death. He prayed for his enemies, and and, and he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And that was a faith-filled prayer that men like Saul were standing there, watching him be stoned, um, approving of his death, uh, would be granted repentance and faith in Christ. And, and that's, um, that's a faithful prayer, but it was far more abundantly beyond all that Stephen asked or thought, that Saul would not only be converted, but that God would call him to be Paul, a, a messenger who would take the Gospel to almost the whole Roman world so with God, all things are possible. And you see, we, don't, we often don't pray um, because we don't believe in the power of God. And just listen to how Paul describes the Church, himself included, the Church, just in his letter to the Ephesians, and consider, just consider the impossible things, humanly speaking, that our God has accomplished. So enemies of God are now called the saints. Transgressors are now called the faithful. Jews and Gentiles are now the one body of Christ. Those dead in sin are now the redeemed. Those who were once loved darkness are now those who believe in Christ. The ones who once tried to earn their salvation by works are now those truly saved by His grace. Those who once destroyed their own souls are now His workmanship. Those who were once far away from God are now those brought near by the blood of Christ, those who were once strangers and aliens, are now fellow citizens with the saints, the household of God, a holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling place of God through the Spirit, fellow heirs, partakers of His promise in Christ by the Gospel, and the whole family in heaven and earth. So, brothers and sisters, this is who we are in Christ. And we don't pray, because we forget who we are. So look again at verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, to Him be glory. This is Paul's repeated theme. Now, to God who is able to do, what is God able to do? Verse 16. He is able to grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What do we need God's strength for? Verses 18 and 19 That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ. Strength to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Here Paul is running out of words to describe the most glorious truth. Christ Jesus loves his people with an infinite love, God deserves all the praise for our great salvation purchased by the sacrifice of His Son. And you see, we we neglect to pray because we forget God's strength. We forget that God is strong. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power of work within us, to Him be glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What does it mean to glorify God? It means that we acknowledge that there is nothing in us that merits our salvation. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name in glory, for your mercy and for your truth's sake. Psalm 115, verse 1. God deserves all of the credit. He accomplished the impossible. He took a sinful man, dead in trespasses and sins, who loved darkness and hated the light, who had only a heart of stone, who sank down into a pit of miry clay, of rebellion and pollution. He took him and made made a spiritually dead man come to life. Opening the eyes of his heart to comprehend his need for Christ the Savior, he granted repentance and faith. He sent the spirit of his Son to dwell in him by power, subduing his stubborn will, and giving him a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stony unbelief. Yes, a man is responsible to repent and believe, but at the end of it all, he must say, as Paul says, Now unto God be the glory. To God alone be the glory. I had no power in me even to choose life. You see, we can only say that we have destroyed ourselves, but in God alone is our help. Hosea 13 verse 9. To God alone be the glory. Our salvation was impossible, humanly speaking. But consider the mercies of God, that He not only saves us from His just wrath, but He reconciles us and adopts us. We who were once His enemies are made to sit at His table and to enjoy the privileges of sons and daughters. You see, it would have been, it would have been an amazing mercy if He had only paid the price to remove the penalty of our sins. Um, but glory to God, He truly redeems Uh, those who are His own. And again, not only can we claim no glory at all for the remission of our infinite debt of sin, we can make no boast that we deserve to come into His presence with boldness before the throne of grace. And that is not all. He will be glorified, not only in our receiving salvation, but finally in our perseverance to the end and our possessing eternal life at the resurrection, conforming us into the image of His Son perfectly. He will complete the good work that He began in us. So we must know that if it were up to us to keep ourselves saved, we would be lost. God gets all of the glory for the whole golden machine of salvation and sanctification. Those who he predestined, He also called. Those who he called, He also justified. Those who we justified, He also glorified. Romans 8 verse 30. Now to Him who is able, to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think, to Him be the glory. Verse 20 says, According to the power that works within us. Um, Ephesians 1.19 says, um, The immeasurable the greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the word He His great might, that He worked in Christ, He raised Him from the dead, and seated Him in His right hand in the heavenly places. Now, the fact that God deserves all the glory for our salvation is is the theme of Paul's letter uh, to the Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Uh, Chapter 2, Paul repeats this over and over. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 6, To the praise of His glorious grace. Uh, Verse 12, To the praise of His glory. Verse 4, To the praise of His glory. Uh, Verse 18, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And so why does Paul go on, going on around praising and giving glory to God? Because God exercised his power in our redemption. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in all who believe. And this is the power of God that Paul prays for the Ephesian believers, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, we often don't pray because we don't have a right view of the power of God and the glory of God. Now look at the end of verse 21. To Him be glory in the Church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. (coughs) Amen. This is the English Standard Version, as I said. Um, Another translation that is word for word would read, To Him be glory in the Assembly, in Christ Jesus, to all the generations of the age of the ages, Amen. God has chosen to be glorified in the person and work of His Son, by His people, the Church, through the fulfillment of of His Word, by the resurrection of Christ, and His exaltation to the right hand of the throne of God. And how do we know this? When Jesus told His disciples this on the road to Emmaus, these these men, if you remember, were slow of heart uh, to believe all that God was accomplishing, uh, that God was actually accomplishing His purposes, uh, in the humiliating death of Jesus on, the, on a Roman cross. And so, the risen Savior asks them, um, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? Luke 24, 26. You see, these two disciples had staggered with unbelief because of the most discouraging circumstances, and maybe they even ceased to pray. But Jesus, in His mercy, reveals Himself to them and their eyes are open to the truths of the Scripture. And it's just interesting, isn't it, that the risen Christ uh, confronts unbelief in His disciples, not with more signs and wonders, but, but with an exposition of the Word of God. So we need the Word of God to renew our minds so that we would pray in faith to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us this is why we should pray and yet we often don't pray we have a tendency to quit praying because we forget who God is we don't pray because we don't believe in the power of God and we don't pray because we forget who we are we don't pray because we forget that God is strong and we don't have a right view of the power of God and the glory of God but this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 is for ordinary Christians like us who need to be reminded and it should really encourage us that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to Christians. He wasn't writing it to people who had never prayed before. Uh, he wrote it to ordinary Christians who are disappointed and discouraged because when we walk by sight and we trust in our own people's sense, it may appear that God doesn't even hear. But I uh, just want to say that if this is you, brother, you're not alone. Sister, you're not alone. And this prayer is for you. I was just going to read a uh, a hymn, I'll get to it, but again the verse. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power of work within us, to Him be glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. I thought it would encourage us to hear this poem by William Cooper related to this. It says God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon a storm. Deep and unfathomable minds and never failing skill, He treasures up His bright designs and works His sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err, and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. So, my hope is that we would glorify God by our prayers of faith tonight. So let's ask for big things, impossible things. Uh, if we struggle with unbelief, I think our prayer, first prayer, should just be, Lord, I believe of my unbelief. So Father, we thank you for the encouragement of your word, that um, in your mercy, your kindness to us, you uh, you teach us to pray. I pray that you would lead us tonight. In Jesus' name.